You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You are guilty right here. I am very guilty right here. In fact, I wrote down on my piece of paper here, what I'm going to speak on today, I believe, is probably the most prevalent sin in Christianity. And every one of us is guilty of it. You say, what is that sin? Worry. Jesus said, take no thought. Now, he doesn't say, don't plan. He doesn't say, don't prepare. He doesn't say, don't use your brain. He's saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Why is that? Worry is the antagonist to faith. It is the antithesis of that. They cannot cohabit. When you worry, you have dethroned faith. When you have faith, you have dethroned worry. I thought about this. God honors planning. He does. But when we panic, panic is the enemy of prayer. Worry is the enemy of worship. Anxiety is the enemy of our assurance. Worry is totally inconsistent with Christianity. What I mean by that is you don't have to be saved to worry. You have to be saved to have a prayer life, a real one. You have to be saved to praise because praise is not just worship. Praise is thanking God for what He has done for you. You have to be saved to do a lot of things, but you don't have to be a saved person to worry. It is unnecessary and it is unholy. For a little while this morning, I want to preach on this thought and try to encourage all of us and remind us, God is real good at being God. He doesn't need your help. He can take care of His children. Let's pray. God, please help our church family today. I pray that you'd encourage our hearts and help us, Lord, to have faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Worry is close kin to unbelief. It is the enemy of joy and the destroyer of our faith. Worry is the same as fear. It's the same thing as doubt. Worry is leaning on the arm of the flesh. Worry has never fixed anything. It's never alleviated anything. And it's never found a solution. If you and I were to stop and consider all the times that we wrecked ourselves with worry, I think we would have to be truthful and say worry has never helped us. Worry has never comforted us. Worry has never brought peace to us, and worry has never benefited us. One thing that we've learned from life is this, out-of-control things are not brought under control by worry. Hard things are not made easy by worry. The load that you find yourself carrying is not made any lighter because you worry. Worry is a liar. Worry is a thief, and worry is a cancer. I think people who worry, and I'm guilty right here, are like shadow boxers. They're fighting something that does not exist. They're like ghost chasers. They're after something they'll never find. They lament over what is yet to happen, and they fear over what might not ever be. And I believe there are many people who are saved who are trapped. And they are trapped today by thoughts of what could happen tomorrow. 
I want to go on record this morning and say that worrying is absolutely wasted time. Worry breeds anxiety, it breeds anger, it breeds unrest, and it breeds bitterness, but never has worry brought an answer. It extracts interest on debts that are not due. It drains us of our energy and distorts our reason. People who worry live crippled by the hypothetical and they're numb to that which is reality. When you and I worry, it covers our sunshine in clouds and makes the smallest problems cast big shadows. It's amazing what we worry about. And sometimes it's because we have good reason, I understand that, but we worry about family. We worry about finances. We worry about the future. We worry about our health. We worry about our home. We worry about happiness. We worry about the day and the week and the month and the year. We worry. We worry about the good times because we know sooner it's going to get bad. We worry in the bad times because we think sooner or later is going to get worse. But I want you to know that worry is senseless, worry is stifling, and worry is sinful. I read an illustration of a man who was just worrying himself to death. He could not get sleep at night. He couldn't eat a meal. He was just a nervous wreck, fit for nothing, because he was in an orchestra. And that orchestra would play to great crowds. And this man, as he would play his instrument, was very uh, astute at his instrument, very good at playing his instrument, but he could not hit an E flat. And this man could not get any sleep at night. He was worried he can't hit the E flat as much as he practiced. He couldn't hit the E flat and he couldn't eat meals. He couldn't hit the E flat. And the orchestra leader, the conductor, noticed the man was wrapped up in worry. And he went to him and said, why are you so anxious? What is wrong in your life? And he said, I can't get any sleep and I can't find time to eat because I know, I know I cannot hit an E flat. And the man who conducted the orchestra said, in the symphony that we're playing, there is not a single E flat. That man was missing meals and getting no sleep because he was wrapped up worrying about something that would never even take place. And isn't that true? Looking back on life, that we have lost sleep and paced the floor and driven ourselves mad almost because we're strangled by something that never even happened, that problem never happened, that person never called, that place never showed up, whatever it is, but we're so stifled in the present by thoughts of tomorrow. Worry drives us to chase when the Bible tells us to seek. Worry drives us to scheme when the Bible tells us to pray. Worry says, take the initiative when the Bible tells me to wait upon the Lord. In Matthew chapter 6, we come to the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you think any of us are long-winded preachers, he preached a message Jesus did for three entire chapters without even giving intermission or handshaking time. So say amen right there. From chapter 5 to chapter 7, Christ is presenting principles for the kingdom of God along with practical truths for daily living. I looked at it. It's heavenly wisdom and heavenly warnings matched together. Now, the sixth chapter deals with a number of major topics. I'll give them to you quickly. It deals with giving. It deals with prayer. It deals with fasting, it deals with forgiveness, and it deals with the faithful care of our Heavenly Father in the life of His children. 
In fact, if I read for, uh, chapter 6, the end of it especially right, I think that this portion of Scripture is laying out a plan for you and I improperly prioritizing the spiritual life. Now, for, don't, don't forget, the Christian is not like the lost world at large. There is a divinely designated order to my life and to your life. God has given us the Word of God, and our life is to be governed and guided and lived in accordance to the Scripture. So as we study the Bible, we find that the antidote to worry is to prioritize our life according to the Word of God. I want to encourage you this morning by saying, you do not have to wrestle with worry. You do not have to fight with that every single day. You don't have to be bogged down and bottomed out and broken by things that may never take place if you and I will follow this simple instruction from the Bible on how to properly prioritize and look at the life that we live. Now, the context is Christ has called his followers up on a mountain. He has preached to them now for some time. He is about to release them back into the world. You better believe that these people are nervous and anxious and wondering how are we going to meet our need if we leave it all and follow him? How do we pay our bills? How do we take care of our family? How do we get received by this world? And Christ understood that his followers were being overcome with worry. So he presents them with the text that we read. Now, I want to show you several things, and we'll be through on time, but let me show it to you here quickly. I want you to look in verse 24. There are two opposing forces in the life that we live. Look at verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And Christ says this, you cannot serve God and mammon. He is saying, here's the, here's the cause of worry and the cure for worry. You have to understand that there are two routes, there are two opposing forces, there are two modes of thinking in this world. There is following God as your master, making Christ the Lord of your life, or serving things that are temporal. I think he's using this to show that folks are usually wrapped up in worry when they're wrapped up in temporal things. He said, when you fail to submit to the leadership and the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, and you get wrapped up in making money, or wrapped up in owning things, or wrapped up in the now and now, you're going to be overcome with worry because you'll rack up bills, you'll find yourself in debt, friends will leave and forsake you, the car will break down, the house will come dilapidated, and all of that will fail, and you'll be wondering, how do I make the ends meet? You study the Bible, there are two opposing streams throughout the, the scripture. There's earth, there's heaven. There is God, there is mammon, there is spirit, there is flesh. There are two masters, two natures, two kingdoms, and two opposing forces. The lost world lives for mammon. But the Christian, we're talking about curing, curing worry, is to live for the Lord. Now watch this. There's an opposing force, but watch this. There's obvious futility. Look at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. That's a big statement. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Now look at verse 27. Which of you by taking thought 
can add one cubit um, to his stature. What he's covering here, listen, Christ is covering cash, clothing, and comfort. He's saying people who are wrapped up in worry are normally wrapped up in cash, clothing, and comfort. They're worried about what they're going to put in their body, worried about what they're going to put on their body, and worried about how their body looks. They're wanting to make sure they have finances and friends and fame and all of these things, and it drives them mad because none of those things can satisfy, and they can all be here today and then gone tomorrow. He is saying it is a waste of time to wrap yourself up in that. He said, take no thought for your life. That's all, the, that's all that we have. I mean, we are temporal beings in one sense. We try to preserve our life. He's saying it is so futile, such a fleeting thing to get wrapped up in temporal dying worldliness. He said, you'll get wrapped up in worry when you're caught up in cash, clothes, and comfort. Now I'm getting to where my message is. Now look at the next, verse 26. I want you to see what it says. Behold, now he's giving them an illustration. And this is where it reminds us God is real good at being God. Now look at this. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought of rain, for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that Sol, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you. Now think about it. Christ is saying, you disciples, you're so wrapped up in this anxiety and this worry. He said, there's a cure for that. He said, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. I'm already there. I've got it under control and I can prove it to you. As they walk down the mountainside, he said, look over yonder there. You see those lilies growing up from the ground? He said, those lilies didn't till their own soil. Those lilies didn't even plant their own seed. Those lilies didn't pray down the rain. Those lilies didn't make themselves be pollinated. Those lilies just act like lilies and then I take care of everything that they need. He said, you see how beautiful they are? You see how green the stem, how vibrant yellow the petal? Solomon in all of his wealth and glory was not arrayed like a lily is and those lilies don't even know to call on my name. They don't even know that I'm their God. They're just there to decorate the ground and clothe the field. Consider the lily. They're not even my child. I didn't die for the lily. I died for you. Consider the lilies. He said, not only that, you see that little bird over there hopping around getting worms and picking up seeds off the soil. That bird doesn't know there's a God in heaven. It sings in tune every time it sings because I gave it the ability to sing. I clothed it with feathers and gave it ability to soar through the sky. I made it have that instinct to build a nest for its family. I provide the tree for it to lodge in and it doesn't even say thank you, but I still take care of it. I make sure there's a worm to eat. I make sure there's hay for the nest. I make sure there's a branch for him to sing from. I take care of the sparrow. He said, think about it. You can worry if you want to. You can worry from now till noon next year, but you can't worry yourself a centimeter taller, an inch thinner, or any younger. It doesn't progress. It doesn't prove to be faithful or helpful. It doesn't do anything. He said, you look at that lily right there. Look at that bird right there. Aren't you better than that? Aren't you better than that? If I'm God for them, can't I be God for you? And then he said, watch this. The reason for this worry is you've overridden your faith. Oh, you have little faith. The faith life is a life of confidence. I'm not saying that you won't get nervous. 
but we know God's got it under control. Now, let me get three, three things to consider, and I'll be through. How do you prioritize the Christian life? Number one, just listen, parenthetically, stop chasing things and start seeking. Amen. A lot of things that you're chasing, God would give you if you would seek. A lot of things that you are trying to make happen would happen if you would prioritize your life correctly. We don't chase contentment. We don't chase money. We don't chase peace. We don't chase love. We don't chase acceptance. We don't chase pleasure. We don't chase safety. We don't chase blessing. We don't chase stability. We chase Jesus Christ. We seek Him. I should have said seek him. Chasing to me sounds violent, like overcoming something, like attacking it. Seeking seems more like something that you desire in a good way. I want to be with that person. I'm seeking them out. Let me give you three things to consider. We have a different path than this world. You see what he says in verse 32? For after all these things, look, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. What he's saying is when you worry, you're living like you're not even saved. God did not save us to live like we're lost. But that doesn't just apply to the bar room. That applies to this area of our emotions. God made us more than conquerors. We live by faith, and faith is the victory. And he's saying the Gentiles are seeking after clothing because they don't know there's a God who can give it to Oh, my. The, the Gentiles seek after food because they don't realize there's a God in heaven that can put it on their table. The Gentiles seek after pleasure because they don't know that in my presence, that's where they find joy and pleasure. They're seeking those things. He said, y'all are acting like a bunch of lost people today. And that's a shame in American Christianity today that a lot of times God is not the first resort. God is our last resort. God is a spare tire if we flatten out on the road of life. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is not... I better go make sure this happens. It is God can make it happen. I have faith that God can deliver in his time and in his way because Jesus never fails. Our path is not like the path of this world. Living here in Silicon Valley, don't get it twisted. I know we're around that crowd all the time and it's all about the numbers and all about the possessions and all about the toys, but that is not the Christian life. It is all about Christ for you and I and that he will add those things unto you. Our path is different. Now watch this. The passion for us is different. Boy, I like it. For after all these things that the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth. we got something they don't have. What? A heavenly Father. A heavenly Father that knows, watch this, that you have need of all these things. Hey, listen, God is real good at being God. By that I mean this. He is, he is too omniscient not to know what you need. He is too omnipresent not to be there to meet it. He's too omnipotent not to be able to provide it. God knows what you need before you even ask to get it. You don't even know what you need. Trust me. It's like, it's like children. That's all we are. We're his children. If I let Lincoln have what he wants, what he wants is not what he needs. His teeth would rot out of his head in two weeks if we let him eat what he wants. I mean, he only eats chicken nuggets and chocolate as it is, and that's why he only has one tooth left in his head. But if he, if he could eat what he wants, it'd be sugar all day long. That's just what it'd be. And that's good. Sugar is good, but it rots, right? Same thing true in the spiritual life. God knows what we need. And the passion is the Heavenly Father wants to give it to us. Now watch this. Here's our pursuit. I said this a minute ago. Look down further in the verse. It says this in verse 33. But seek ye, and now watch the preeminency of this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The righteousness of God is found in Jesus Christ. 
So what are we seeking? We are seeking Christ. With Christ before me, worry gets behind me because, listen, when I start to seek Christ, it reminds me he is able. He is sufficient. He can meet the need in my life. I just wonder if we would reprioritize instead of seeking the job and we would seek Christ if God might give us the job. If we reprioritize, instead of seeking the, the relationship, the mate, whatever you want to call it, and seek Christ, if he might give... Adam was not looking for a wife. God brought him one. Yeah. Adam was just doing what Adam's supposed to do, and God said, here's a wife. That's what if we put Jesus first? Not just Jesus on the list. And we reprioritize it. I'll say it again. If you'd quit chasing some things and start seeking Christ, you'd probably get what you're chasing. Because all these things are added unto you. Now, one more point, and I'll be through. Look at the promise at the end of it. It says, all these things, I just mentioned, shall be added unto you. Everything that you need, God will provide. But here's good, here's good, but here's good news from heaven. Most of what you and I desire, if it's in the will of God, He provides that too. I don't know about you. I have never, I have been poor. You've probably been poor. All of us have been poor. But I've never missed a meal. Seriously, I have been, I have been, I have been lonely, but I've never been left alone. I've been injured, but he's always healed me. I've had doubts, but it's always, it's always worked out. I've had questions, and he always, in his time, provides an answer. We've always had needs, but I've never had God not meet one. Not one single time. And I want to encourage you this morning, you don't have to be wrapped up in tomorrow today. Just put Christ first and trust God is real good at being God. We could run the list from Dan to Beersheba and give illustration on the scripture. But it's just enough to remind you, God is real good at being God. You don't need to help him. You don't need to tag along. Just let God be God in your life. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.